really good ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to This Is A Sports Podcast. I'm Tony Garcia alongside Harry Liao, Armand Tendravi, and our usual host, Yosef Nasser. Hey, hey, hey. Nothing's happened to our man, Yos, so have no fear. I just, I'm here. I'm good. I just jumped in the driver's seat for today's episode because uh, we're beginning by bringing on one of my friends, colleagues, someone who I sort of grew alongside with in this industry but has now thoroughly surpassed me. <laughs> he is the Memphis Grizzlies beat reporter for The Athletic, formerly of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette by way of Detroit, Michigan. My guy, Omari Sankafa. What's up, Omari? Hey, what's going on, Sonny? Not a whole heck of a lot. So before we jump into the real reason you're coming on to talk NBA Memphis, I'd like to start here because I know you're a big opinion guy. You're never afraid to mix up the takes, <laughs> e.g. pineapple on pizza. So Yum, I, wonder, I stand. Oh, a good take. <laughs> that's debatable. But we, we haven't discussed this one, and so I want to know. I feel like for some reason I just think you might have an opinion on Halloween. I could be wrong. But what is your opinion on Halloween since it is Halloween tonight? Like, are you going out? Do you think it's just for the kids? Where, where do you stand, or do you not have a, have a hot take for this one? I mean, you know, when we were at Michigan State, I feel like Halloween was probably consistently one of the top three or four, like, most fun nights of the year. Uh, you know, like post, post-grad, it's been kind of hard to kind of match that, that Michigan State Halloween energy. Uh, you know, I just think I'm just going to be on the couch tonight, uh, get a little work done, play some Call of Duty. Uh, you know, I'm not really feeling the Halloween spirit, especially as I did a few years before. But if you have, like, a Halloween, I guess, like, group or, like, obviously, you know, like, you're, you're in school and your school gets really into it, then, you know, I think it's still, like, a lot of fun. But it's not a holiday that just has, like, you know, it's not like Christmas or Thanksgiving where it just has, like, this inherent, like, uh, fun to it. You kind of have to create it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my wash years, man. I don't know. <laughs> my, my best years are behind me. I, no, I, can't, I, I can't really dress up anymore. I definitely feel that. Like, like as a young kid, it's very authentic. But as you get older, it, it definitely needs to be manufactured. Um, and so... I know some of the guys want to ask you some questions, but I'm just going to start with a few. Um, beginning with the, the new main man in Memphis, John Morant. I read your story about, uh, as I always do, uh, from opening night in, in Miami, how he had like 30-some family members come out. Ray Allen is real close to the family. That was an awesome story. As always, you did a great job. Uh, but, but I want to know about him, sort, sort of the person and the player. You've been around him for, I mean, at least a month, count, counting the preseason, I'd say, plus whatever access you had to, to practices before that. You've known he's been coming here since the draft. So what do you know about Ja that, that like, we don't know, fans who, who watch the league don't know? Yeah, Ja is uh, just a really, you know, small-time humble dude. Uh, you know, he already has sort of the uh, – uh, knowing, knowing what to say if I give it away too much sort of quality to him after games. Uh, you know, there's like definitely a disconnect between, you know, you see him on the court after a big play. He's very, uh, you know, sort of exuberant, excited, uh, you know, not, not afraid to flex a little bit. But in the locker room, he, you know, he's not like that at all. Uh, you know, he's a very chill dude and, uh, you know, just like a nice dude, too. Just like very small town. Like, I think his, you know, his home city of Dowsdale, uh, South Carolina is. Uh, you know, like it's not like the, the biggest place, and uh, you know, I think he's a good fit for Memphis too because Memphis, you know, of all the NBA cities, is probably you know the <laughs> smallest and lowest key. Uh, you know, but 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 that's Ja. I mean, he's a really nice dude. Uh, you know, definitely sort of has like that that small town personality to him, and uh, you know, it's been kind of cool to be around him definitely and see him kind of get his feet wet in the NBA over the last two weeks. 
Right. And and how do you think that's been going for him? I want to know, obviously, it's five games in, and you don't know my, my buddy sitting kitty corner from me, uh, Armand, like, like I do, of course, but he, he is never one to shy away from an 82-game take in, like, just five days. And I know with, like, the job you have and everything, of course, you can't, you can't go too crazy one way or the other. But I just want to know where you think he, he ranks right now among the rookie class, especially like maybe the top five or so guys who, who you think when you think of this rookie class, like Zion, RJ, Ja, Kobe White, Darius Garland, um, and, and then where you think he could, could end up in maybe not end of career, but like five years later when, when this class sort of like when we kind of know who these guys are and what they're going to be. Definitely. I mean, I think he's he's proven that he's definitely one of the top five of this class so far. Uh, you know, Zion's not obviously, but you know, I think we can reasonably assume that he would be really great right now if he were playing. Uh, you know, Tyler Rowe in Miami has been you know phenomenal so far. Uh, R.J. Barrett, uh, Kobe White has some nice games. You know, this rookie class so far is playing pretty well, uh, but I think John Moran's thirty and nine performance on uh, Sunday has probably been. Uh, the best performance of any rookie so far. Yeah, uh, he took it to Kyrie. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was insane. Like, the light bulb kind of went off for him in the fourth. You know, he had 17 points in the fourth. And you kind of realized, or I, you could tell that he realized that nobody could stay in front of me. And uh, from there, I mean, you know, like, that was the game. You know, he, he went at Kyrie. He went after Spencer Dinwiddie a little bit more. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it was kind of crazy to see live. Uh, I mean, I've always been high on Ja. You know, I think he can certainly be one of the best, uh, you know, point guards in the NBA. You know, he kind of reminds me of John Wall, just from, like, an athletic mm-hmm. standpoint and his ability to pass. But he may have, like, higher upside as a shooter, you know, which he still isn't quite a good shooter yet. But he's starting to look for it a bit more. But uh, he definitely has that, that potential. Uh, for him, it's just more so learning how to consistently, you know, score and get to the rim. Because outside of that best game, teams have done a pretty good job of uh, limiting him offensively. Amaria Yosef here. I'm wondering how, with the trade of Mike Conley to the Jazz over the offseason, it marks the end of the grit and grind era. I'm curious how fans are taking to this new group with the John Morant, Brandon Clark, of course, Jaron Jackson from last year. How, how have fans received those guys? Uh, I think it's been uh, pretty gung-ho so far. Uh, I think a lot of fans kind of sensed that uh, it was time for uh, grit and grind to end last season. Uh, I think that stretch of like March after Marcus Gasol was traded and it was just Mike Conley mm-hmm. uh, rallying the troops every night was probably some of the most, well, I won't say it was the most impressive basketball. Awesome. <laughs> definitely like there was no energy in the arena. Uh, you know, like people just didn't really care once it was clear that they weren't going to the playoffs. So, you know, you kind of felt it was time. And then, you know, of course, when the Grizzlies uh, started to do era and got in a new front office, new front, or a new head coach, it was kind of obvious that, okay, you know, they're going to, uh, you know, kind of spin the wheels on some, something new and trying to get something new going. But, yeah, but John Morant, I mean, they fully embraced John Morant. You know, Jaron, of course, uh, former Michigan State Spartan, uh, he has really uh, embraced the team, embraced the city, and people are rallying around him. And then Brandon Clark, you know, I think people didn't really expect he would be available. Uh, I think at 21 or 23, wherever they drafted him at, uh, slipping my mind. And he's he's been great. I mean, he's he's probably been one of their best, you know, top four or five players so far. Which says more about you know the Grizzlies not being that, that great than about him. But he has been really good. You know, I think he 
is certainly a contender to be on a, a rookie team uh, by the end of the year. So it's, it's a really fun group, a really young group. Yeah, they're, you, you said it, man. They're, they're really young. Um, this is yeah. Ari. Um, how, I wonder how the atmosphere has changed with such a young group now as opposed to having, you know, guys like Mark and, and Mike Conley and, you know, J.B. Bickerstaff to, uh, to a different uh, degree. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I think that, um, you know, I think people, for one, have to adjust to, you know, like the expectations being different. Um, you know, like when you have seven, eight straight years of it, the playoffs being an mm-hmm. expectation, you know, like the team owner saying that we're going to win 50 games. And then, you know, two years, you know, like last year, the year before, it not happening. Uh, you kind of have to readjust your expectations as a fan base and say, okay, like we're probably only going to win 20 games this year. Yeah. But it's better than win 20 games with, you know, Jaron and Ja learning how to be your number one and number two in some order rather than Mike Conley and Mark, you know, another mm-hmm. year into their 30s, you know, failing to lead the team to the playoffs. So uh, after the Lakers lost a couple of nights ago, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, kind of weirdness on, you know, Grizzlies Twitter about, you know, like why didn't, you know, new head coach Taylor Jenkins like make this rotation change or why didn't he do this or that? And it's like there's no rotation change you can make to stop LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis, you know. It's like on some level you have to accept that, uh, this team to be good later has to take a lot of lumps. Uh. Right, and I you sort of touched on that w- with your five takeaways from the game against the Lakers the other day, um, and so this is sort of a, a two part question. Um, it sounded like you didn't think, and um, and the coach as well did not believe that like Jaren's foul trouble uh, w- was the reason that Memphis wasn't going to stop AD. Like you just sort of said again, I mean, there's just not the pieces right now. Um, to, to stop someone like that alongside LeBron. But I know you still keep tabs on, on Michigan State and did, and Jaron Jackson was after our time um, covering those programs, the football and basketball teams. But it, it's, been, it's been his foul troubles have been a concern since Michigan State. He, he was, had a tough time staying on the floor. I think you said he was or cited that he averaged like 3.8 fouls a game last year, and that's up to 4.8 already this year. Um, so, so why is there? And you said, and I think it was uh, Valachunas who who you quoted saying like he's doing the right thing still. But is there concern long term, or how how does someone even fix that? Because because he, he's consistently in foul trouble. For sure, yeah. So his fouls are up this year. He's fouling almost five times a game, up from four times a game last year, as you mentioned. Uh, one thing I didn't know in the series, I didn't actually realize it until yesterday, is that. Uh, fouls are up across the league uh, this year pretty substantially, uh, you know, and uh, we kind of saw something similar last year with refs learning how to kind of call the faster pace of the NBA. But, uh, yeah, but the NBA is fouling, like, at a pace that hasn't fouled in, like, quite a while. And, uh, you know, I think uh, that's one thing you have to factor in for Jaren's fouls being up this year because I don't think he's doing anything apparently different from last year. Which of course is still an issue because he was still fouling a lot last year. Yeah. But everybody's fouls are up this year. You know, that's something the league has to figure out. You know, I know that they have a lot, a lot of new referees, and uh, maybe there's just a process of trial and error for them. So I don't know if his fouling is worse per se, but the fact that it's still one of the worst rates in the league is something that he needs to fix. And uh, he's a good defensive player. You know, it's not like he's you know biting on pump fakes and uh, reaching for steals. Like he has really good defensive instincts. Uh, for him, it's just positioning. He doesn't always go straight up, but he's contesting layups. Uh, there's just some ticky-tacky fouls that he has to learn how to avoid. Like, he tripped over Anthony Davis going for a rebound yesterday and got a foul caught on him. Uh, you know, like, it's, it's stuff like that that 
uh, just with reps, you know, you expect that he'll stop doing stuff like that. Um, so it's not, you know, I don't think it is the biggest concern right now. Like, he's answering 20 last month, and he's still the youngest player on the team, which is kind of crazy. Um, but with that said, you know, we're, we are at the point where he's filing so much that he isn't playing at key moments. You know, his yep. minutes yep. haven't really increased from last season. So uh, that's a problem that he has to figure out. Hey, hey, Omari, thank you for joining us. It's Armand. Uh, Tony kind of touched on it that I'm the resident Bulls homer. Um, I was just huge wondering. Huge Bulls homer. <coughs> huge Bulls homer. Uh, you, you talked about how this year is about developing John Jaron as kind of the one and the two. Uh, being Having said that, would you consider the three other spots in the starting lineup to be kind of auditioned for? Obviously, Dylan Brooks has been a staple in the starting lineup, Jay Crowder and Valanchunas, but do you think there's a chance that Jenkins might go down the bench a little bit and try some new things out as the season goes along? I think Valanchunas will be the center for most of the year just because the Grizzlies don't have a better option there. Uh, Jenkins plays small, and JV's really uh, the best center on the roster, you know, mm-hmm. given that Jaron is a bit more of a power forward at this point. I think he's a center long term, but at this point he's more of a power forward. So uh, I would be surprised if Valentinus isn't the starter for most of the year, you know, bearing a trade or injury or something like that. Uh, as for the wing spots, I agree it too. Uh, Dylan Brooks is probably the best wing of that bunch, but even so, I think Dylan is like a borderline starter. You know, like if they could find an opportunity to upgrade that spot, maybe down down the road like I think that they would and uh, Dylan's good I mean he's a solid defender he's a solid shooter uh, he just isn't you know quite a guy who could create his own shot which is you know ideally what you want from your two and then Jay Crowder at the, at the three I mean Jay, Jay Crowder is Jay Crowder like he's solid you know both ends of the floor but uh, he's also you know on a pretty friendly uh, team deal and uh, that's a potential trade chip at the trade deadline that so. guy gets traded so much yeah, he does get traded a lot because it's weird. Like, Jay Carter is, like, the type of guy that, like, if you have him, cool, but, like, you're probably going to also try to get something better, like, if you can. So there are mm-hmm. playoff teams who trade for him, and then they don't win a championship, and then they're like, okay, well, now we got to try like, it. Some, some, something different, you know. So he's always perpetually in this position year in and year out. And I think when the Grizzlies traded uh, for him in the Mike Conley trade, this was the expectation. Uh, maybe not up front, but just inherently that, okay, like, you know, you're a veteran, you get you know, use your talents better elsewhere. Uh, you don't need to win 18 games with this year. So, you know, maybe Dylan shifts up to the three at that point, and one of the younger guys like Anthony Melton or Grayson Allen at that point get a shot at the two. Maybe they trade for a, a young wing and a, with Iguodala or, you know, Jay Carter being traded. You know, I think that's up for flex, but I don't think that those two positions will be steady as the year goes on. Amari, you mentioned Iguodala. Obviously, he comes over in the move once the Warriors get D'Angelo Russell. They need to clear some cap space, so they send send him over to uh, the Grizzlies. Um, now, the Grizzlies have held a firm stance that they're not going to buy him out. What do you see happening with that situation? Do you see something happening sooner or later with uh, Iguodala? I think it'll be later. Uh, I think a big key uh, for one is that uh, you know, the NBA rules say that you know players who signed during the offseason can't be traded for six months. So there are a lot of deal uh, contracts that can't be traded now that will be tradable after, uh, I believe, December 15th. And when that happens, uh, a lot of teams will have uh, more freedom as far as what deals they can put together to get them. So, you know, for Iguodala, I definitely think, you know, the Grizzlies will probably wait until we're on a trade deadline to get something done. 
Uh, they want a first round pick. Uh, you know, I think if they get a first round pick for him or a good young player, uh, they'll be pretty happy. Uh, if it, they only end up getting a second round pick or two seconds, um, you know, this whole process kind of, you know, you just drag this out for for not a whole lot of return, basically. Uh, you know, but I do think the team will bite. You know, have the Lakers and Clippers, obviously, who are trying to go all in on the playoffs. You know, you have a dark horse team like Denver that has far more assets than the Lakers or the Clippers, and you know, could absolutely package a young player and if they wanted to, which the Lakers and Clippers don't really have in spades, obviously. Uh, you know, it'll definitely be something that gets done in February. I think I'll be surprised if it happens sooner than that. Hey, um, <clears throat> I was curious, um. How's uh how's Coach Jenkins been like? I feel like it's pretty rare to get a coach uh, coming into the league and 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 for for him to be relatively you know unknown with just some 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 G League experience. Has he done anything that you can point out that's you know markedly very different than JB Bickerstaff? Yeah, so Jenkins, you know, he was a uh, assistant coach under Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta and then in Milwaukee last year, I think for. Uh, six years mm-hmm. going back to 2013, and he has a lot of those uh, like Budenholzer philosophies, you know, defensively, and then as far as like pace on offense and getting a lot of threes up. So in a lot of ways, he's sort of the opposite of JB, mm-hmm. uh, given that J- like JB Bickerstaff ran a very uh, just classic grizzly scheme that didn't really emphasize three point shooting. Uh, you know, it had post ups with Jaron and Marcus. Uh, like one of the slowest paces in the NBA, you know, which the Grizzlies have been slow paced, uh, you know, for the last decade up until this year, which, you know, I believe they're still top five in pace. So Jenkins, you know, he has them running up and down the court. Uh, he's emphasized getting more threes up, which has been a work in progress. You know, they're not getting the three up much higher than they have in previous seasons. But, uh, you know, like the expectation is that they will get more up as the year goes on. Um, it, yeah, and this is just, you know, I think the on-court product this year is just something that's very new and something that's very unwritten grind. Uh, you know, it's definitely a more modern NBA scheme that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is more similar to what the current Hawks are doing, you know, to what, uh, you know, like the Bucks are doing, you know, to what Houston's doing, right. know, which, em- like, emphasizes three-point shooting and emphasizes shots at the rim and not a whole lot of mid-range. The typical modern game these Yeah, days. the five-out game. Right. Hey, Omari, uh, I was just wondering, they took on Josh Jackson as a reclamation project, and we haven't really heard anything about him this season. What, what Can you speak on updates about Josh Jackson and what the Grizzlies kind of hope for him from this se- for this season? Yeah, so Josh is, uh, they started him off actually uh, with the G League this year, so he's with the Memphis Hustle, and I guess the idea behind that is, you know, he had some, some issues in uh, Phoenix, you know, some some legal issues that they kind of want him to reach these uh, benchmarks, which they haven't shared with us what those are, but, you know, they have some sort of internal plan for him uh, starting off with the G League. And then, you know, presumably I expect that he'll join the team at some point this season. Uh, So, you know, he's with the hustle. He addressed the media for the first time on Monday. And, uh, you know, he's seen, you know, to accept the situation, uh, seems to accept that, you know, yeah, you know, this is the situation and I got to, uh, you know, prove myself, you know, prove, I guess, that I can stay out of trouble or whatever benchmarks they set for him. And, uh, you know, it's hard to say exactly when he'll actually join the Grizzlies. But he's still a talented player. You know, he's still a former top five pick. You know, he's still one of the best athletes uh, or would be one of the best athletes on the Grizzlies if he were a Grizzly. And he has never 
play with a point guard as good as John Morant. You, know, mm-hmm. you look at the Phoenix Suns point guards over Josh Jackson's career, and not only are there like a lot of them, like Wayne Wood point guards that you would expect somebody to play with for two years, uh, a lot of them aren't even like average NBA point guards. So he really hasn't had an elite uh, passer like next to him, like Ja. Yeah, I think that can probably really help him out a lot. Yeah, still that that fall from grace is pretty pretty crazy especially considering some of the players who are taking around him Amari, i'm wondering um this is obviously a young group but we see young groups like the mavericks like the hawks making some noise organizationally what's your sense on how they feel about when this grizzlies team can compete is it next year is it the year after what what have you gathered as it pertains to that yeah so they've been very cautious of uh setting any uh, you know, like, or giving numbers or setting expectations, uh, you know, outside of what they say amongst themselves. You know, we've asked them various questions of what do you want for this group? You know, what do you expect? And, uh, you know, and they just want to get get better. You know, that's kind of just been their uh, MO is that we just want to get better. Uh, you know, we don't want to set expectations very high, essentially, uh, which makes sense because rebuilds are uh, unpredictable. Some teams rebuild for a year and they're right back at it. You know, other teams, they were built for like a decade. You know, they're just in rebuild hell for one reason or another. <laughs> I don't think that's what the Grizzlies will end up being. But I understand why they are reluctant to say, oh, well, we want to be in the playoffs by 2022 or 23. Uh, with that said, you know, I think Jaron and Job both being 20 years old, uh, you know, I would expect that by the time they're 22, uh, they're performing uh, at all the NBA levels or close to it. And depending on how the rest of the West shakes out, I mean, we already see Golden State sort of on a, a, a downturn. Uh, they could absolutely be sort of in the mix with Dallas, you know, obviously with Luka in the second year, Porzingis, who's in year, uh, you know, I think four right now, so they're a little bit more ahead. But, you know, something similar to that where you have guys who are used to the NBA grind, know how to win, you know, how to improve their games, and, uh, you know, can get it done on both ends. You know, I think for this group, uh, if they're not in the playoffs by – 2021 next year not in the playoffs by 2023 then something had to have gone wrong because mm-hmm. I already have a lot of pieces now to be a playoff team in a few years uh, switching gears a little bit I'm wondering like now that the, the team's a little younger maybe even a little cooler like are there any like uh, Memphis uh, celebs you're starting to see around like a little more like I know Justin Timberlake is a, a part owner I think if I'm not mistaken um, do you see like an Annalie Choppa is, does he ever make an appearance <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there uh, there aren't a whole lot of uh, you know, like I guess Memphis Labs. Yeah, it's really you know, it's a pretty you know, like out, outside of like you know, you, miss, you mentioned Justin Timberlake, and then you know, yeah, you have other Memphis guys like uh, you know, like in a leech after and other rappers and whatnot. It's not a whole lot, but one guy who is a big Grizzlies fan and has lived in Memphis for 15 years actually is uh, legendary soccer goat uh, keeper Tim Howard. You know, oh, where? Uh, I don't know. He's from and, Memphis. Uh, yeah, so he uh, he moved to Memphis. Uh, yeah, like I think 15 years ago. You know, his family's here. He lives out in the Memphis suburbs, and he's a Grizzlies uh, season ticket owner. And, Damn, that's uh, awesome. You, know, you, you can see him at games pretty often. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure once you know he's wrapped up what he has going on, he'll he'll be around FedEx for a lot more. Nice. And I'm also wondering. Um, so, quick clap for you and your one-year anniversary, which came earlier oh, yeah. this week with The Athletic. Hey. I'm proud of you, my guy. Two days ago. It's pretty crazy. And so so th- that's that's a sample size. Uh, I'm, you've seen all types of stuff in the NBA. What is your 
because I mean, we could pick your mind about the Grizzlies all day, but I want to know from you, what is your favorite moment of covering the NBA? What What is the most, not like, I mean, I guess you can pick what, whatever that means to you. Like, what, what has been your favorite moment? What's the craziest thing you've seen or, or anything like that? So there's two, and, uh, you know, they are both Grizzlies-related because uh, I'm, try, I'm trying to think, but they haven't really been on the receiving end of any, uh, like, crazy plays or, or, or brutal plays or anything like that like the past year. Uh, you know, obviously given that they're not really a playoff team, so that's kind of hard, hard to do. But uh, last November, uh, they played the Brooklyn Nets on the road, and uh, Jaron scored – seven points i think in like the last uh it was like the last 20 seconds last 30 seconds or something to like send the game into overtime and uh you know and it was just like for him to be like two months into his nba career and uh you know he had like some clutch buckets at the rim and then he actually had a four-point play uh that he got fouled on that you know like tied the game and it was for him it was just sort of like a well, I know I'm one of the best guys on the court. I'm just with the ball in my hands, and you know, I'm going to make something happen. And uh, you know, just to you know, see him get a four-point play, you know, to tie the game, it's just like, okay, like this guy's definitely going to be a good NBA player. Uh, you know, then I think I mentioned this uh, Sunday, probably on Twitter, but like John Moran's 39 performance was like the best home game the Grizzlies have had since I've been here for sure. And just talking to people that covered the team longer, like that's probably the best performance at FedEx Forum or the best game at FedEx Forum in like a while. Uh, you have to consider like last year, uh, you know, they weren't a playoff team, so it was just a lot of bad games. And the year before that, uh, Mike Conley got hurt uh, and missed most of the season. So we just parked the saw, you know, and a bunch of fringe NBA players, uh, you know, like kind of struggling to the end of the year, which of course they got the fourth pick of that game, Jaren. But, uh, John Morant, like, for him to have that, like, I belong to the NBA, you know, and I could be the go-to guy uh, kind of moment in his third NBA game, which is something you don't necessarily see rookies do that early in their career. And uh, that was, like, by pretty wide margin. <laughs> the most right. exciting game I, that home game I covered since I took the shot. Right. And how about uh, maybe, like, like not on the court? Like, I mean, you like you were just at the Staples Center. Like, are, like have you ever been yeah. have you ever been eating at, 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 like, your hotel bar or something and, like, Jennifer Aniston is like right, right down the bars. Like, holy shit! Like, or like, hey, like, have you seen anyone like that? Nah, I'm trying to think. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think I've had. I've seen a lot of people in in media that you grew up watching and reading, and then you see in real life, and it's like uh, pretty cool. You know, obviously, you have to meet some of these people in real life. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've met a like celebrity like per se you know i don't i don't know if the grizzlies are the type of team that like draws a lot of <laughs> you know a lot of those type of people right uh at, at their games there may be an obvious one that i'm not that i'm not remembering right now uh you know like i don't see them like you know talk to ray allen the stance last week was really cool uh you know like that was you know of course he, he had a great career in uh miami and still lives in miami so uh, you know, to kind of be able to report on that story that he and the Moran family go way back was obviously really cool. Uh, but man, I don't know if there's been, like, outside of just the general, like, NBA pace, you know, being able to see Staples Center, being able to see Madison Square Garden, you know, like these historic arenas where, you know, so many memories have been created. Uh, yep. Like, beyond that, like, I don't know if I've had anything that was like, uh, you know, like, 
just seeing like a celebrity or something, it's like, oh wow. Like I don't know if I've had too much of that, honestly. Right. Well, maybe are, are you gonna are you gonna be going to the All Star Game in Chicago this year? You coming back our way? We'll see. Uh, that that remains to be seen. You know, I think if, if John Moran continues to have a great year, then uh, you know, like I'll probably certainly be there if he's in, in the rookie sophomore game. I guess it's the rookie sophomore game anymore. Whatever the rookie game is. Uh, like, <laughs> the uh, Rising Stars world, Challenge. It's right? like World International yeah. or something like that. <laughs> All right, well, well, we hope you do make it that way because uh, the four of us should be uh, – our Professor Jay Adande is probably helping us uh, get some credentials there and uh, can take you around the town, and you can tell us all, all about the rest of your uh, NBA exploits over these next few months. All right, bud? No, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, Chicago's also is one of my favorite cities yeah. in, in, in general. You know, and I, and I definitely would like an opportunity to – uh, you know, cover the All-Star game in Chicago. Sounds pretty biased. And of course, uh, kick it with you again, you know, as we did when I was in Chicago a few months ago and then beat, beat the rest of the bunch. I think that would be awesome. For sure. And next time, we're not going to Yoke at 11 a.m. on a Sunday and then and then hitting the yeah. the alternate plan for whatever that diner was that we that we made it to. But all right, bud, uh, we all really appreciate your time, yeah, man, your, your insight. Um, it's always good to chop it up with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, as soon as you put time on, you know, I'm like, yeah, let's uh, do it, you know. And if you guys want, want to do it again, like, we can make it happen. For sure. Awesome. We, we sure will. Thanks, bro. We'll I'll talk to tomorrow. you soon. Yeah, you guys have a good one. All right, later, man. Omari Sankafa. One of the, one of the best. He's, one of the he's, OGs. He's an, he's an up and comer. He's, yeah, he's, for sure. He's our age, and, I mean, like I, like, I was watching NBA TV last year, and when I, when I was still at home, and they're they're cycling through all the beat reporters, and they're talking like, oh yeah, like coming up next, we'll we'll speak with athletic reporter Omari Sankoff. I was You're like, that's my boy, bro. I was at Harper's in East Lansing with him. We were turning up like two years ago. Now he's on NBA TV. It's cool. It's it's really good to see my my guy. That's awesome, man. Uh, he's a good dude. He is. What do you guys think about uh, his jaw takeaway? What do you guys think about jaw? He's jaw's fucking awesome. I really don't understand where this this hate for jaw is coming from. Yeah, and you didn't. I told you to keep that energy from yesterday. Yeah, where was it? Well, you were quiet, bro. I, I was quiet, but the thing is, I wanted to keep it a little bit professional. But the oh, thing, whatever, dude. The thing I see in the biggest he's scared. glaring hole I see in Jaws' game is the fact that he's so raw and unpolished. And that's not a hole. That's it just is. Not that's a, just him being 19 years right. old. He he isn't the scorer I was hoping he would be. Especially, I didn't think he was that scorer. Did you guys watch him from Murray State? Not at all. I mean, savant passer, gonna, yeah. good athlete in transition. Um, I, I think score year one, um, I, I didn't expect it. Yeah, For I mean, me, my I, takeaway with John Morant is that he just needs to gain strength. But his vision is special. Um, and I, I do agree that you need to score in today's modern NBA, but I, I don't have doubts that he can develop into that point. I just think he's a killer. Like, he's not, a and not in the, not in like the, like the Mamba mentality sort of way, but like a playmaker. Like, re, like smart, heady, as you say. Like, he's probably one of the top like 10 like natural passers in, in the league already right now. Yeah, I mean, he does have he, his instincts. He's not a natural scorer. Like, he does this thing where, like, he's, he's slight, and he'll just fling himself at the rim instead of working in space, slowing down a little bit, um, you know, and you do see more of those natural instincts with Kobe. I, I'll give you that. But I don't think that's ever going to be Jaws like. That's not his bread and butter. Like, you're discounting the rest of his game, and you're just focusing on that one thing because, you know, you yourself are like a natural scorer and, and a passer. Like everybody, you we can only see things through our own perspective. I'm about to get deep with y'all. 
You can only see through, through your own perspective. And you see Ja as someone who doesn't play basketball the way you do. That doesn't mean he's not a good player. Kobe does play basketball like you do, like very similar. But, you know, Ja Armand's does, a better passer than Kobe. Probably. Ja does all these other things. Better thi- shooter than Kobe. Better shooter than Kobe. Ja, ja Armand's does a better other, player Armand's than Kobe. Better than Kobe. Up, can you get a 10-day with the Bulls? Sign this man. Our packs. But, um, if you did, could we never hear one of your takes ever please, again? Because yeah. I'll help you Wait, get a 10-day. Oh, Wait, are we being serious right yeah, now? Dude. I would love to get a 10 day. It's like that. What's I'm that, all like, in. Like that, like that Eagles guy who like walked on the team. Oh, Vince Papala. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all agree on something finally. But um, dude, Jaw's gonna be a good player. He just has to, he just has to round out some of the, the rougher edges of his game. Could I start over Zach Levine? Sorry to get off topic. Could you start over Zach Levine? I'm gonna go no. I'm gonna I'm gonna say probably not. Not if you shot the way we all you did that day. We had like the full Medill pickup yes. game. Ugh, I want to broke. Okay, Yuck. I appreciate your jaw insight. I still think, I think he's gonna be a good player. I don't know what his ceiling is, but I I was up late at night just thinking about Zach Levine possible trades to get him off my <laughs> team because I can't do it anymore. I really can't. So. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this one. Dragic is on a one-year deal. Yeah, he's send, send Levine to Miami. They got to throw us something better than Dragic. It's going to so have to be Winslow. Winslow's us, the only other movable piece. Send us Hero. There's no way. The, the, That's laughable, dude. No, and Valentine, listen. and maybe a first. Valentine has no value, dude. That, listen, that, that's the laughable move. You can't just throw in cap filler to get someone like a Hero, who's, who's they want to, they would really like to keep. But what if they love Levine? They don't they love don't. Levine. Everybody knows Everybody's who Levine seeing is. Who, what you're seeing right now. I think honestly, if you're serious so? about a yeah. Levine trade, you'd look at like an Winslow. Orlando for something. Like oh. the Heat aren't trading. I don't even think they trade Winslow to be honest with he's, how he's, he's. I'm just talking about salary wise. Salary wise, only other movable guy that has value. The Heat are too smart organizationally to make a trade for Jack, Zach Levine. He is what he is. I could see a team like Orlando who could use some offense packaging, say an Evan Evan Fournier, Jay Isaac. Isaac is untouchable, but something like Fournier, because Fournier would be more complimentary to the guys like a Kobe White, um, who you want to yeah. see. Um, <laughs> I like that actually. Yeah, I, I think that's straight up whatever you what need about, to like, do. Fournier Bamba. So Bamba makes five million. Fournier is at seventeen. Um, Zach's at nineteen. So I mean, if you wanted to, but I think Bamba, you know, with the way that he's played with Fultz in particular, I see. I think they see good. him as a part of their future. I had another one. Um, hit, it, hit, hit me. So, same team, but then we go uh, Dragic, um, Kendrick Nunn, and Casey Okpala for Levine. Uh, yeah, I could see it. I mean, I think he loved Kendrick Nunn, but he's also a 24-year-old rookie. And to get back a piece like Levine, who still does have, like, promise, I mean, he still has value. It's just at a, it's just much lower than it was last season. Um, I could see it. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily a needle mover for Chicago, but, really. But does why is that a needle mover for the Heat? Does that make the Heat that's a win, my question? A, a win now content like no. all that does is like shorten like the like the development on the back end. Like Levine is way more what Levine's always going to be than are you sure? Than, I mean, than none is who has more development in their game left right? They're now? both like the same age. They're both the same age, yeah. Um, but, but one has been an NBA player for all those years. Like, yeah, like and, but, and you're going like you're going on. against grown let's, men for all this time. Let's pump the brakes on like Levine is like the worst player in the world. What we saw last year, he took a huge step forward last year. If, if you see a player make that kind of development, and they're 24 years old, I'm not going to completely rule out the idea that they could get 15 percent better. 
20% better. My problem with Levine is that he has the mentality like he's Kobe Bryant. He plays that way. And, if, and I don't think that with the Heat, they're, they're, a big, they're big on culture. And they've sure. got their shot makers. They've got their Jimmy Butlers. Justice Winslow has emerged in his role. I don't see Levine at this stage in his career buying into a role because I think he thinks he's one of the best shooting guards in the league, which is why I, I turn the question to you. Why would the Heat make this move? It's just when you try to find a, a trade for Levine, I understand wanting to get him out of town. It's just who could talk themselves into it. And that's why I picked Orlando because I could see them wanting to have some offense, some of that instant offense, whether it's off the bench or at the starting lineup. And, and two questions for you to, to piggyback on that, Joseph. Two questions for Armand to piggyback on Joseph's point. Um, I mean, don't Levine and Butler play like pretty similar positions like, like I don't see yeah. them complimenting one another hold on and, and secondly say like say Harry that you're right Levine does get 15% better is he good enough to be the number two on a championship team I still say no that's not really how teams um, construct that's not really how NBA uh, front offices construct teams though especially when you're in a position What's like not? Miami you you don't just go oh if it's not if this guy's not going to make us an instant contender I don't want him it's it's more like you're looking at what am I getting back and what am I giving up and if you're talking about like pieces like Casey Okpala, Kendrick Nunn, who again is the same age as um, Levine, and also has some weird like off-court stuff. Yep. Um, um, I'm not like sure. Legal stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like with the domestic the, violence, the hot issue. water on the woman's. Yeah. Like, oh it's, wow. It's it's not as like cut and dry as like, um, Shout you know, out Oakland University, <laughs> Rochester, Michigan. Uh, is that Kendrick Nunn? Yeah. Oh shit! Word. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. He's from Simeon. Michelle, Michelle yeah. went to. I know he went to Simeon. Michelle went to Oakland for one semester. Really, interesting. But um, Levine is. Damn, what was I going to say? Oh my god! You had no forgot. point. Let me. Let you me. Had, no, I'm just kidding. Can he be the number two on a title team? No. No, you were no shot. How they can't, like, but the Heat would have, I think, such a strong nucleus around them with the trade that I proposed. I don't even know if I would want to do that. As Which one? The Dragic trade? No, or? The Dragic, Dragic Opala, And then you still have Bam, you still have Winslow, you still have Myers Leonard, Olenek. So, yes, he would be the number two in, in theory, but I think that they would have, and Hero, they would still have Hero. So I think that they could make that work. Why yeah, would they do I, it? Because Levine's a bona fide, like, star-level talent athlete. Like, he is a it's just the wrong. The Bulls are the worst fit for him because Kobe yeah. is going to need to be the guy to have the ball in his hands. Primarily, I, I, think, I think it's more so because like you look at the way the Bulls are playing their offense now. It's so half court heavy. It's so slow it down. But why is that? Because of Boylan. I, I it's think Boylan and Levine. I think if if he goes to Miami and he he if he can buy into that system, and also it clears up Miami to uh, to allow Winslow to play full time at the point basically. If you if you remove Dragic from the equation, and Dragic is playing well, but like if you throw another like high level athlete in there, like he, that's such a Miami type of athlete, you know, forget the mentality issues, which are totally valid. But like Levine is like athletically, he fits perfectly within the construct of what Miami wants to do, which is shoot threes and like dunk on people. Um, I'm not sure it doesn't make sense for them. So I'm confused about what changed between now and like. A few weeks ago, because Armand, I know I know you know basketball, but still, like we like we know that your Bulls perspective can be skewed. But Harry, you're not some like like the Bulls are going to be the best team, and you were like when I had the Bulls finishing like ten, and then you guys like he was five, you were eight, eight. you were eight or yeah. something. You were like, no, like now they play the modern NBA game. They so, did so what, just in the preseason, and then they yeah. abandoned it. Like what? What the hell happened? I, we were talking about this yesterday, like. The offense that they were running in the preseason is completely different than when the season started. And for me, that, that, that points to two things. One, all the players, as soon as the season started, they're hungry for that next contract. 
there's a lot of egos on this team, and they basically just, for five or six possessions out of the game, they say, fuck the system, I'm just going to do me, which those five or six possessions are the difference between a bad team and a good team. Um, or B, that Boylan is not doing a good job of reinforcing these concepts that are new for these guys. They're brand new. Um, and, you know, we've all played organized sports before at some at some level. Like, if you have, a, if your coach, I've had, a, I've had a coach, like, preach, like, all the right things, like, leading up to a season, and as soon as the season starts, it's just the same shit because you have problems that are more urgent during the regular season, and he's yelling at you, blah, 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 you know, which is not a problem. But, like, all the, all the new concepts that we were going to phase in kind of get washed away. So, like, those are kind of my two theories of why the Chicago offense looks so, like, anemic. That was spot on by Harry. I mean, in the preseason, they were playing a, like a literal different sport when it comes to their offensive game plan and execution. I think that that is literally 90% to do with Boylan and Levine combo. And Boylan doesn't get on them enough for not pushing the tempo, and then Levine just likes to slow it down, isolate, and literally the exact opposite of what we saw in preseason. And I think the solution is you got to put Kobe in there and make him the primary ball handler. Going back and watching some of his summer league and some of his um, college highlights, the worst take either of you will have that is that he can't pass because he is one of the most special passers I have ever witnessed. So here's the problem. No, no, no. Out of any NBA player The most special passer? At his age, it's insane. And not only that, the his intangibles, when you talk about it, I can't wait to see them actually give him the ropes like they give it to RJ, like they give it to... Oh, by the way, little side note, there was a like a minute 30 left in the game yesterday, a little Cavs side note, and it was, Garland was literally, he's so good. He's he was going good. by. He nine points. He, he was go, it doesn't he, matter. He's he, going he, the by. The way that he creates separation with his Creates separation, yeah. insane. So he had gone by Thad Young like three straight possessions in a row, and he was going for a fourth, and he passed it to Sexton. He was about to get it back, and then Sexton goes, get over there, like stand in the corner. <laughs> and then and then Garland throws his hands up in the air and he's he put like, you know, like, like the bad bad body language. And then Sexton actually I think scored that possession. But it's like a little bit of tension in Cleveland a right now. Little Kyrie Dion Waiters ish. Yeah. Okay. For sure. We can all talk about the NBA till well you three can until face, yeah. you're blue in the face and I can for a good amount of time. But I have a way more important question. Yes. So no ceilings by Lil Wayne dropped ten years ago today. What really? Ten years ago to the day. I what is the old. best track I don't that. know. I gotta. I haven't uh, heard it in a while. So, can you run down the track list? Yeah, I can. So, I mean, I'm gonna give like what I think are some of the best ones. So, the options for me would be Swag Surf, Ice Cream, <sighs> Wasted, Watch My Shoes, Throw it in, Throw it in a bag, Throw, throw it, it in, in the, the bag, bag. Yeah. Um, Poker Face, Run This Town. I think for me, oh, throw let's it in the do bag. it. I'm I'm single. I gotta go throw it in the bag. Just throw, throw it. it the bag. That's how it goes, right? Just throw it in the bag. No, no, that's the Fabo song. That, yeah, that is. Um, how does throw it in the, the bag remix. go? The only reason I would go throw it in the bag is because he throw, uh, shouts out Ben Gordon. <laughs> BG. He does. But no, to answer your question, I would say either watch my shoes or um, ice cream paint job. Yeah, no, I would go with this too. Actually, yeah. I mean, it's it's a mean drop right it's here. T- it's crazy. It's neat. I mean, honestly, this is like like we can. This one, I will, I will accept like multiple opinions because it's not like, like one of Armand's like blasphemous takes. It is my favorite mixtape ever, though. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no I, I'd, I'd put it probably number two for me. Yeah. Yeah, behind Cushion Orange Juice for Wiz. Okay. Wiz- Ooh. Okay. That was 
That, that's number it's one. It's a game changer. That will ne- yeah. What's your time. favorite track off of Cushion uh, OJ? Cushion OJ. Mesmerized. Oh, Mesmerized is classic. Yes. Yes, but that is a... I mean, front to what back. What about in the can, cut? You, rolling doobies up. <laughs> <laughs> Waked up, baked up, trying to get my cake up. But, but I mean, both of these are like mixtapes you can listen to. Timeless, back. We keep like projects. 10 years. I know. I feel and old. we actually. But honestly, it kind of feels like it's been 10 we, years. We, like, no yeah. ceilings. That was a long We buried the lead, guys. Steph Curry broke his head. Oh, oh yeah, shit. Did that oh, happen? And Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid almost killed each other. Almost this killed is, each other. UFC Greg Mello wanted an emergency pod about that. I wanted a paper. I wanted a pay per view that. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. So Greg, um, this is my take on uh, on the fight. I ain't no bitch. Uh, <laughs> That's a great like, beat. If Arnold and Embiid had a baby, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, I, I can't fucking like. I it's so weird because like sometimes like I, like I he's actually so kind of fuck man. with Embiid, but other times like he, he's my least favorite player. In the I, NBA. I I fuck I, like I fucking hate you. It's funny like in the same situation I fuck with him like on his way out, be like hyping up the crowd and shit like Philly was going yeah. nuts. I do not stand like the social media trolling after just because it's so awkwardly worded. He's such a corny yeah. dude, you know. And and also. I mean, like, like he's so, like he's so soft. Like after that game seven L to Toronto. Like, uh, like, come on. I'm not, yeah, ta- I'm not on. talking about. I'm not talking about crying. crying. I'm not talking I, about uh, crying. You, what can are you talking cry. about? But just like, I agree. Like, I've cried like nobody chirps harder than Joel Embiid, and then he like can't really take it on the other end. Like, bro, you gotta know if you're gonna be like, like he is made for Philly. He, and like, he it's a great like city fit. Like, like Omari was talking about like job being a great fit for Memphis. He's an awesome fit for Philly. Little thing that I noticed. But God, I can't. Stop. Two years ago, I forget who they lost in I the love playoffs. Walked out, didn't shake anybody's hands. Kind of like a sore yep. loser type yep. of thing. Uh, that's really. I just want to turn it to this guy and let him defend his man. Wait, I feel like he's a. Well, here's the thing. Way. Here's the thing about Joel Embiid. So he dominated Cat yesterday. Yeah, he he, shut he, him. he dominated him. He shot him. And Cat before the game, people were talking, including us, like, is this guy the best, best center in the league? In the league yeah. No, not best center, like best offensive player. We had conversations, Jokic, Embiid, and Towns. And with Towns' passing, um, you know, taking another step, his shooting is remarkable, his finishing, incredible, best offensive player in the league, best center, and then you go up against a guy like Embiid, and Embiid completely ate his lunch. The Sixers are deep, like, and they've got Al Horford, who, by the way— Real estate, bro. Al Horford— Aside, he might be the third most important player on our team. He's so special with his passing, his defense. He just fills in all the blanks. But Embiid, he ate Carl Anthony Towns' lunch. And Towns, he let him get in his head. It's just like the A.J. Green, Jalen Ramsey from a few years ago. <laughs> Ramsey got in Green's head, and you know Ramsey, Ramsey took him out of the game. Now, obviously, Embiid can't do this all the time because you know can't afford to lose in a significant game. You're one of your best players, but... Um, and this, I don't mind it as much. I, I hate the fact that they pretended that you know they were like gonna fight because it was just a shoving match. Like, dude, that's every NBA fight though. It is. Why Hold is every, me back. Everybody just goes to the. If ground. one of them was gonna throw hands, who would have done it first? Towns. He tried. Yeah. He missed yeah, for yeah. sure. He missed. That's why. And and then like uh, Embiid like deleting the post on Instagram. Have you seen like? Like, Which like, like, yeah, like no, like he had the post. Oh, Carl oh, Anthony oh, Towns yeah, yeah. commented yeah. on it, oh, and then and then he deleted his comment and acted like and then said something else. Yeah, he's so. And petty. then the guy who runs Cat's Instagram was like, "Yo, I've been running this shit for three years and have never deleted a comment, yeah. and this is and like this thing is gone." What What's a number of uh, games suspended? That's just like too much for you. That's it, like you would be pissed that's, at that. That's NBA gonna be. Well, Simmons that's is gonna, gonna be get the worst one. 
He's gonna get the worst one. Simmons will get the worst one because because he, was because he put someone behind. in a fucking rear naked choke. Yeah. <laughs> tap out was, was the funniest thing ever. Did you guys see Towns tap? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Philly is trying to in, in, in our favorite zone, the spin the spin zone. Philly is trying to spin it like he was playing peacekeeper. But it's like, yeah. all right, Bruh, come on. Come on. You're, you're from, trying to sleep You're, you're from Australia. It's a big MMA country. You know what a rear naked choke <laughs> you're is. Try, yeah, you're, you're trying, trying to, to choke this motherfucker out. You're trying to sleep him. But uh, to answer what, your question, the answer is five games. If, if it's any if more it's than any five more, games, I would be, be disappointed. Yeah. I think for I, I think, right. I think, or, I think or both. I think Towns and Simmons get the worst because Towns is the one who actually, actually fucking threw. Yeah, I could see Towns getting 10, Simmons getting five. 10? And beat getting ten games. Minnesota season is over if he gets and ten beat games. It's getting, just like no, how many? They're gonna, those, to, they're gonna get the same. How six. many? They're gonna, they're gonna get the same. How many? I was, those, gonna, I was gonna say four for each. Towns six and beat four. Simmons six. How no. many of those are for the fight and how many are for the social media afterwards? Because does the media. NBA promote that? No, no, no. But you can't get suspended for that though. Are we sure? Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. They can't. That's freedom of speech. You can't like. Suspend I mean, yeah, for, I wouldn't think Adam Silver would, but they kind of like. It's not a great look for their business. Yeah, especially with the China thing going on. You can't, you can't like get in any free speech trouble. Could there be a clause in the suspension that says, "Okay, we'll give you three now, but if you guys on March twenty fourth get into a full fledged brawl, you guys that three is going to turn into the next time is going to be 20. There's no clause. It's a case by case basis. I'm like ninety percent sure they they review all these things like in the moment. Okay. To sum this up, so I mean, Sixers they look terrific. Um, yeah, their defense is outstanding. It's insane. Thibel? <laughs> Who? I, I love Thibel, but, but you hit on something earlier and uh, with, with the Golden State Warriors and Stephen Curry. Um, they look like the worst team, one of the worst teams Denver in the, the league. They're the Kings, right? <laughs> I mean, they, they look like one of the worst teams. On the other hand, I mean, the Suns look terrific with Booker, Kelly Oubre has kind of taken that leap into like yeah. a, a borderline star. And then they've got Ricky Rubio might be one of the Frank best. Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank Kaminsky. Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines. He's huge. Hitting threes. What do you have, 24, pass- and 7 or something? Yeah. He's, it, always been, he's always been an underrated like corner yeah. three guy. So two-fold question. Do we count the Warriors out of the playoff picture? Yeah, for sure. For sure. They're I'm done. But, but, yeah, but this does not prove – uh, Armand's take right because this is because now this season is is now a walk. What was my well, take? No, sorry, they, they weren't going to make the playoffs. E- even I even with I had them making the playoffs. Even with Steph in the lineup, though, oh. like I took a look at the numbers <laughs> yesterday, and they were by far the worst defense in the league. Yeah, but this is before getting but Steph's not some by great Phoenix. defender. So no, but I'm just saying as as far as like being a playoff team, I know you did have them in the playoffs, but like I think we were all wrong. Like yeah, I think they're out. Even with Steph for the rest of the season, I, I I don't see unless Clay comes back and it's miraculous. I I don't see a way in which you like you can't have the worst defense in the league and make the playoffs in the West. But does this not make it like I'm of the like I saw what you were saying on Twitter and I stopped short of Chicago trading three like unprotected first for D'Lo or Ugh. something. Like I don't that didn't even make sense. But. Uh, separately from that, can you can you see a situation where this actually makes the Warriors better? Yeah, like, they, like they had a yeah, yeah they had a year Bates. where they weren't gonna yeah. win it. They weren't gonna win it anyway. And now instead of just Hello, like, being like 16th, yeah, they yeah they get they finish in the bottom three of the NBA and they get like Wiseman or something alongside or, Draymond or they package that pick yeah that's, and that's D'Angelo Russell. To Milwaukee. I'm here for it. That's, that's, like, that's your best take I've ever heard. No, that's not oh. even my take. That's what Warriors Twitter has been saying. Oh. No, they, they have been targeting Giannis for a while. Yeah. Oh, okay. Giannis oh. has made it very clear. If, if he doesn't get 
you oh, know, a chance to win oh, in Milwaukee. Man. Yeah, Giannis said it last week. He said if if I don't if we don't make the finals in Milwaukee, it's gonna be really tough for me to sign an extension. Yeah. I mean, just all in, you all in. Get a all top in. three pick. Send D'Angelo Russell. As a Nick fan, I'm sad because there's no f- upcoming good free agents for like the next three years if Giannis is like off the board. Are we gonna mention there was a Game Seven World Series? Or are we not a full sports Crazy. podcast? I watched the game yesterday. That, did? I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch any basketball yesterday. Good, good yeah. man. Dude, what was your takeaway? Have you seen, like, the... Did, did you see that tweet about, like, Rendon in, like, the seventh inning of, like, the last, like, ten games of the playoffs? No, I didn't. It's, like, solo run... Like, solo shot. Like, fucking RBI double. Like, two-run shot. Like, the, as soon as you put in your, your your relief, like, it's over. Like, Rendon is, like, yeah. bye-bye. Yeah. No, he's he's killer. Um, I, I, I said it last night. If... My manager managed the, oh, way, I saw the that, game yeah. the way AJ Hinch yeah, did last he night. He walked one guy and he yanked him. Uh, so he there was the <laughs> through the first twenty batters, the Nationals had a one player reach. Yeah, they Drake, hit two bombs fire. in the next three batters and scored three runs and never gave. Dude, I watched the game with like. Why are you putting in Will Harris? He is sucks. trash. He's garbage. He's fucking uh, garbage. Dude, why didn't they put in Cole if you're gonna sub someone in? It's game seven. It, I mean, I mean, you know, there's always next year. You know, you might want to save his arm. <laughs> For, yeah, there's what not the four innings left doing? of the season with it's a championship game on the line. Seven of the fucking the World Series. But then, like, there's gonna see, like, that's the one where I don't think there could have been like some some question about like, oh, like, why is he pitching Cole on on three days rest or something? Because it would have been seven. it would have been his bullpen day anyway, and, yeah. and they just wanted to get him in in a fret. They didn't want him coming on with, with runners on base. But and yeah. so that's why they put Harrison. But then why did they come with Ozuna the next? Right. It, 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 none of it made any sense. <coughs> Absolutely none of it To made me, it was sense. like, this has never worked in sports. To me, it was like the manager. What's his name? AJ Hinch. Guy? Who? AJ Hinch. AJ Hinch. You, you can't coach scared. He was scared to lose yep. the entire game. He wasn't playing to win. He's yeah, playing if you lose. if you play not to lose, you're always going to lose. That's just how sports works. Yep. And Granky was on fire, dude. Yeah. Like, I watched it with um, Forrest and, and Skinner and like and Beth, the, the Nats fan. Yeah, shout out Beth. Congratulations. Shout out Beth. Yeah, yeah, title town. Uh, and Evan, EB, who's not here. Yep. But uh, Beth was like, she was like biting her nails. Like, Granky was like making Washington oh, yeah. sweat like so hard. Did, did you see all the stats about this insane Nationals run? So they were, they're just the second Crazy. team in 100 years to be a dozen games below 500 at any point and win the World Series. Wow. And they won five elimin- potential elimination games. Jeez. And they trailed in every single one. That's what she said. Beth was like, "This is just what we do. We just that, make it interesting." She, that's facts. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm honestly sick about it because I, like, I wanted like Houston was not the the favorite. They were like the third favorite coming into this year, and I so wanted to like. It's so rare that you don't pick the favorite like a year out. Yeah. And and you're right. And I was so close, and I wanted it. And obviously, I wanted it for my boy JV. JV. I'm upset. And plus, do you want to know? So I think this is like the good human, bad human barometer, and why I'm so clearly <laughs> in the bad human list. Like Houston's already won one, so like you know what? Just get another. Like if Alabama wins a college football championship, I don't care. Just go do it. Like the Warriors, go do it. If some new team wins, I then get jealous all over again. Because it's why is this fan base like? Why is a new fan base get to enjoy it and I don't get to enjoy it? I, I recognize that's the worst way to look at it, and I'm a bad person. But I agree with that. But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm true. I am I'm like that too. I was just going to say, you guys uh, have talked about how shitty Chicago sports has been in my life. I'm here in a Cubs jacket. Davey Martinez was the Cubs bench coach. and we I mean, he was going to walk through the door anyways after we won. But still, it kind of stings to see 
you know, who should have been Joe Madden's replacement yeah, it's your, it's to like win a World your, Series. It's like seeing an ex like do really, really well. Yeah, yeah it's know. almost like watching Justin Verlander, Rick Porcello, exactly. David Price, exactly. and Sanchez, and Max Scherzer all win World Series in the last three years, and that was our starting rotation. I was rooting I for Hector ah, Rondon. Dude, that Rangers series, I was... They each won, they each won a World Series in the last three years. Crazy. Our, our entire 2014 rotation has World Series rings. Dude, yeah, the, the Tigers years. are just a farm system for Cy Youngs. Facts. That's it. It's true. They had Scherzer won a, a Cy Young with us. Mad Verla- Max. Verlander won Next. one. Fulmer. Anibal Sanchez won an ERA title. Well, hey, I just and w- David Price won a, won a Cy or Porcello won a Cy Young, not with us. He shouldn't have won that one though. But no, he didn't. He stole, but he stole it from Verlander, who yeah, was sure. also on the team. So I mean, it was Tiger on Tiger. Crime. As a Tigers fan, I want to know what which fight would you rather pay per view? Carl Anthony Towns versus Joel Embiid, five rounds. Or Max Scherzer versus Justin Verlander, five rounds. Ooh, Scherzer Verlander. Scherzer Verlander. That would be Verlander. Fun. That'd be fun. Um, I'm gonna say Towns. And yeah, I like watching big guys. Because well, yeah, I mean they're KO better power. athletes, and also I love JV, and I don't like his chances in that fight, and I don't want, I don't want him. Yeah, Mad Max is, is crazy. There some, He's nuts. Is that a hypothetical, nuts. or is that like there's some actual bad blood with Scherzer and Verlander? They hated each other. Really? In Detroit. Yeah, hated each other. Oh wow. Scherzer was sick of being the number JV's two. Bitch. Yeah. Oh wow. The KD to JV's. I mean, because I mean, he was never gonna be Justin Verlander. In I think it was. I think it was Kate Upton. I think he was a little jealous, dude. Mm. You that's, think? That's well, maybe they were both trying to shoot their shots. And I mean, and one of lost. them scored. One of them scored. Yeah. yeah. Good job, our Justin. man. Our man Tony Garcia with the Tigers breakdown. <laughs> Is the farm system looking all right? No, it's not. <laughs> it looks it's terrible. Not great. No. Tigers four, suck. Only four top 100 prospects. I mean, the future is really, really bleak. And we, I mean, we got to get Al Avila out, the general manager. Someone needs to buy the team from Chris Illich because he's not willing to spend the money that his dad was. Mike Illich was like ring chasing. Like, yeah. why do you think we were signing like like trading for Cabrera and then Pudge and Maglio and Guillen? I miss Dimitri Young. <laughs> D-Y, Ooh, Dimitri Young. And then yeah. signing um, Deep Cut. Prince Fielder, and then I mean, I mean, it was just go for it, go for it, go for it every single year. You I know mean, who I feel the worst for? Me, Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. He won. I mean, he I, got his he won ring. A, he won a ring. Yeah. He, he won a ring. Us. He won a ring in Miami. But he should have won one like in his prime. Like he had a walk off bomb in his first career game, and then he took Roger Clemens deep in the World Series. Yeah. It's just and also ripped my nine year old heart out. <laughs> what with were you Cubs in? Marlins? Oh yeah. Uh, he ripped. He was my first. Him and Pudge were my first like sports like enemies. Pudge. Like I grew to love them, but yeah, it was rough. Are you guys familiar with the Ewing theory? Yeah. Yeah. So it's the it's Bill the, Simmons theory where he started with Patrick Ewing. Every time that he went out, uh, the Knicks would do better. well. And, it, it, you know, the, the concept is like someone who's, you know, a perceived star, but, you know, doesn't perform big when it counts. And then when you're without him, the team, you know, does well. I mean, is Bryce, Har- Bryce is it, Harper. Is it the Harper theory? It's now? the Harper theory. It's right? the Harper theory. I mean, first year off the team. They win the World Series, yeah. and you know we talk about winning on the margins a lot. I mean, this team, you know, they, they've done it in spades, man. I mean, Juan Soto stepping up to yeah, be Soto. star. I mean, you know, that pitching staff is tremendous. Um, you know, even, <clears throat> even a guy like Howie Kendrick, who's been at it for a while, had a Hit cup that of coffee shot yesterday with the Phillies. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, Ryan Zimmerman. I I grew up in the D.C. area, and you know, he he was fan favorite for such a long time, and you know, it's good to see him. You know, when I, so you guys don't like seeing teams. Um, Win like different teams win because it, it makes you feel it's just because I'm immature and I can't handle I love it. it. For, for me, what I like, I, I like to see good organizations succeed because you know it gives me hope that you know if my organization, you know, team that I 
brute force support if they make the right steps, uh, then you know they can go out and succeed. So I, I think the Nationals are deserving World Series champions, and uh, you know I'm happy about it. So. Yeah, I mean, I dude, when the Eagles won, I I cried, dude. I dude, I cried. I, honestly, I shed a tear. I was like, man, I'm just happy for that for that city, even though I don't I don't like people from Philadelphia, but. I, I, also, like, I was so torn because, like, like, I've told you guys about my stickers and, like, the teams that I liked when I was a little kid, ranking them all when I was, yeah. like, seven years old. And I put the Eagles third behind the Lions and the Falcons. And I've always, I always liked them since forever. But then, like, you see, like, how so every – of course, every fan base has good people and every fan base has bad people. But Philly's bad, bad people are louder than everybody it's, else's bad people. I mean, people. it's, like, a really – like, it's a no. Yeah, we're staring thing. at it's one so, right now. <laughs> it's so – no, I'd say Yos is in the good half. No, he's definitely Yost is at the, the, yeah, the, one, the one percent, yeah. Fan base. One percent. But – I mean, it's it's such an insufferable fan base that it's like... Bro, so are Knicks fans, by the way. Dude, we're so fucking stupid. Like, yeah. oh my god, dude. But Eagles fans are, like, rude. Knicks fans are dumb. Dumb. Just so stupid. Like, like that's the difference. Like, you can be an idiot, but don't be an ass. Yeah. But still, and then Michigan and Laker fans are rude and dumb. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Air, yes. I, I, the, the word mean? for... I mean... Why Michigan, are Michigan fans dumb? I mean, they're not... I don't know. I just dumb. wanted just, to get just, Tony on my side. No, just, just <laughs> arrogant. Just arrogant. Well, yeah. Arrogant? You you guys win way more than we do. We're, nobody in Michigan is like, oh, we're fucking killing it. When was the last time you were in Ann Arbor? Um, five years ago. Oh, okay. P- point so, proof. Yeah. It's it's really it's, it's like bad. That. It's oh, it's horrible. Ugh. It's horrible. Why? It's horrible. What do they have to What do they have to to brag about? They're Michigan. Yeah. I don't get me on this because then you're gonna you're gonna say that I, like I brought it up. I didn't bring it up. I'm just no, saying, but you're no, right. Don't worry. Michigan, I the Michigan, number, Michigan State fan, Michigan State fans are delusional, and a lot of them are. Yeah, like, you. Have, I know. I know more state fans. Actually, I probably know about fifty fifty. I know a lot of state fans. Like, it's, I feel like it's you. There's more in common than you think. Oh, look who it is. Hop in here. We were actually just talking the man, World the myth, Series. The legend. Forrest Stolting, nice. our MLB expert. We just got done talking <laughs> yeah, about no uh, the World Series, how, how we felt about it, um, <coughs> how um, you, know, you know Tony and Armand disappointed because you know they, they wanted to see you know the rich get richer, the Astros continue to win. That's but no the, fun unless it's the Yankees. The, the, the national. <laughs> <laughs> so put put this into into context for us. What, what, what's your takeaway from what the Nationals were able to accomplish? I mean, it's pretty unbelievable, man. I mean, start the season nineteen and thirty-one, and then to win three elimination games coming from behind—it's just five, three eliminate. Well, okay, elimination games, not come from behind. Three games. winner take all games. Five. Excuse elimination me. Okay, yeah, winner take all. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair yeah. enough. Fair point. Um, but yeah, it just—it just shows how much resiliency this team has, and that their their uh, their um, their veterans have just so much poise and control and leadership of the clubhouse, and it's just. It's just, it's unfathomable, really, man. I mean, to see them coming from what they did the beginning of the season to now, I mean, it's just, it's a true drama. It's almost like the Virginia story from last year's basketball season. So, just a team. You mean in the sense of a team like you know, middle of the season? I mean, you said the Nationals are going to win the World Series. Like, what would you have said if I told you that? I'd have laughed at you. He would have laughed. Yeah, I mean, there's been no chance. I mean, from past five years of them, or I guess for the last seven years, and then the playoffs and kind of just fumbling the way through and losing the division series and then kind of breaking that curse against the Dodgers. I mean, that just speaks volumes to how far this team's come and how far Strasburg and guys like Kendrick, um, Serge, what, what, what these veterans mean to this club right now. And what, I mean, you, you've been candid about how you feel about uh, Bryce Harper. What, what's he, uh, What's he thinking at this time? I mean, I guess, he's just counting checks or, you know, what, what's... Uh, no, he, what's... Doesn't, he doesn't care one bit, man. <laughs> he doesn't care one bit. I mean, he... He's definitely good friends with most of these guys on that team. So if I'm him, I wouldn't worry about it one bit at all. I'm, I'm pretty sure at the beginning of the series, at the beginning of the season, he said that um, 
the Nationals are probably going to win the World Series this year. So that kind of came to fruition. But uh, I don't think he's mad at all. I mean, he's good friends with those guys. He's There's no hard feelings at all with that club. I mean, he just wanted to get paid, man. Good for him. What can teams learn from the success of the Nationals as they as we approach hot stove season? Um, as teams, you know, look forward to to building, you know, chance to make a playoff team for next year. What, what can you learn from the, what the Nationals were able to do this year? Veterans add a ton of value. I mean, just the last three or four years, there's not been many GMs willing to pay veterans what they're, they're what they're due. But I think it would, I mean, it proves that this, the Nationals are the oldest team in all of baseball right now, and they won the World Series. So it does not. Just take controllable young guys to win this to win the, the World Series. You got to have a good mix of players, and I mean, don't be afraid to go out and get that that veteran for two years, thirty million. You know, spend that money; it's going to pay off down the road. So, you talk about veterans, but I mean, you know, one of the stories of this whole postseason, Juan, Juan Soto. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt, hurt when you have a generational talent <laughs> like that. Not at all, man. That kid's a phenom, man. The the ability for him to control the strike zone is just unheard of at the age of 20 and 21. It's ridiculous. I mean, what he's able to do, and his swing is so perfect. He's got a really good two-strike approach. His, he, he cuts down on his leg kick with two strikes, chokes him on the bat a little bit, and he really sits uh, the opposite field uh, with two strikes. It's just, I mean, his discipline, and he's just unreal, honestly. Switching to the Astro side, can they replicate, yeah. like, this crazy, like, I mean, they had an explosive offense, right? Throughout most yeah. of the year. I mean, can they replicate this next season, or is this kind of like a one-year thing? No, they're going to have most of their team back. They'll have Springer, Bragman, Altuve, Brantley's coming back. Correa. Correa. Yeah, I mean, they're not losing anybody besides Cole. pretty much Cole and their two catchers Those are, and some bullpen arms like Harris. Yeah. Um, they'll definitely be back in the fight. Probably going to win another uh, AL West title next year. But um, – and they're going, to, they're going to lose some hefty pitching, that's for sure. So we're going to see how they can kind of bounce back from that. But they are getting Lance McCullers back from Tommy John surgery. But there's no chance he's going to be as dominant as uh, um, Garrett Cole was this year. So be a little fallback, but I definitely think the Astros will be just fine next year. And they'll probably easy win the AL West title for, I think, for the fourth not. year in a row. Houston fans. Nah, no, not at all. But I'll definitely be very upset with uh, A.J. Hinch about not bringing Garrett Cole last night. With the lead. What is he doing? So, I mean... On a, said, yeah. Sorry, Forrest. On yeah. a scale of 1 to 10, just considering the Nationals' bullpen, just that aspect of the team, how, how shocked are you because of their bullpen and how it was kind of a patchwork. Like last night, they used Corbin for multiple innings. How, how surprising was that to see a team with that big of a question mark in their bullpen uh, to win a World Series? I mean, when you have three horses like Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and uh, I guess really Anibal Sanchez, too, kind of came out this year, or this postseason, and Patrick Corbin, it definitely is shocking because he really had two guys to, uh, that he really trusted on the bullpen, Daniel Hudson and Sean Doolittle. And this day and age in the bullpen, I mean, it's very shocking. But it also goes to show that starting pitching can carry you through the postseason as long as you uh, your hitters can come through in the, whenever they're, uh, they're starting those games. And so, I mean, it's shocking, but at the same time, when you have that many good starting pitchers, it's not that shocking at the same time because when they can go six, seven, eight innings, it shortens the game so much. And when you got guys that can, like Corbin, can kind of bounce around from starter to relief roll to kind of patch that bullpen up a little bit, um, it takes a lot of pressure off of um, David Martinez to kind of make that call 
when you're bringing that that the, the bullpen arm. So I'm not not too surprised, but it definitely I'm glad it happened because starting pitching is extremely valuable, and I think it's going to stay like that for a very very long time. Tony was uh, talking about how. AJ Hinch did a he said a horrible job. Could you grade AJ Hinch's performance yesterday yeah, on an yeah. A to F scale? I mean get in game in game seven of the World Series, he did about as bad as you could, honestly. I mean, his excuse after post game was that he didn't want to bring in Cole in the middle of the inning. Who cares? He is your best he's the best pitcher in baseball. He is fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there is no excuse for not to bring him in the ball game right there. He has when yeah, it, it, after that Rendon home run, he has to come in the ball game right there. I mean, I think even pulling Grinky at the time was the wrong. I, I agree with you there because he only gave him one hit before that home run, and, and walk, yeah, and like sixty-five pitches, and like yeah. he could say like, oh, you know, like what happens when you leave him in too long? Like, there's always the other side. But he was dealing. He was, he was dealing. Yeah. Dealing. He made one mistake, then he was a little timid at the three, four spots of the lineup. Like you don't want to get beat right there. That's totally I mean, fair. Yeah. Like, what. What is going on? You, you cannot ask him to do much more and, than And your did. bullpen is bad. Yes. <laughs> um, it kind of reminded me of the 2016 wildcard game when Buck Showalter left. It did not bring in Zach Britton in, to finish, mm-hmm. or to, in the tie ball game in the ninth inning, and then the Jose Bautista ended up walking off the, uh, the Orioles at home. Um, when you have the lead, you've got to bring in your, bi- your, big, your big arms to finish the game off and to, con- to control the game where it is, or... Like Tony said, I think he may have had a quick trigger right there to bring in Grinky or to bring out Grinky. But if I'm AJ Hinch, I'm not bringing anybody else in in that game besides Garrett Cole, or I'm leaving Grinky in. That's it. Those are my only two options: leaving Grinky in or bringing in Cole. Speaking about Garrett Cole, give us a top three predictions of places he could go: Angels, uh, Yankees, and then Astros. So the third one is doesn't sound. Super confident, so no, pretty no, much. I think it's a, the third round, third one is definitely up in the air. I mean, he could go um, Detroit. The, oh, I'm <laughs> that. He, he's not going to sign with Detroit. I'm no totally chance. kidding. Um, but yeah, I think the top right now, the top two teams that are going to vie to sign him would be the Yankees and the Angels. So he's a, he's a Southern California kid. He's more likely to leave than to stay, correct? Oh, 100%. Okay. I don't think the Astros are going to be willing to pay him that much money because he is going to get a lot of money. Okay. Looking forward to the offseason. Who are some other names? Obviously, Garrett Cole is a big one, but who are some other names you're going to have your eye on some teams Man. as well? Um, Let's see. Anthony Rendon, I think he's got a chance to probably – I think he's going to want to stay with Washington, honestly. I mean, he's probably the biggest really? the biggest off, the biggest offensive uh, free agent on the market – um, I think he's he's just comfortable there. Like you see him last night, he he loves that team, lo- loves that vibe, lo- loves the city. I just think he's he's too comfortable there. I think they're going to be willing to pay him, especially with Bryce Harper off the books there. Um, they do have a lot of guys with with high AAVs, but I think after winning this World Series, it's going to be tough for him to to turn down the Nats um, extension or even come back to Nat to Washington. I think Steven Strasburg will probably opt out um, of his contract. But I think he will be coming back to the Nationals as well, or he'll go to San Diego, where he uh, where he grew up and went to college. Um, SDSU. Yep, yeah, uh, that coach is Tony Gwynn. If you didn't know that, really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, that. before he died. Yeah. He R.I.P. Came, yeah, man. Um, what about our man Nick Castellanos? 
He's ah, uh, God, I don't think he's in Super Tower. It's gonna be such a weird market for him. I feel like right? it is. I mean, because he's a DH. Let's be honest. Yeah, he has he's, to stay uh, in the AL. He he should go to the AL. And that's that's my opinion. But um, he's gonna commit. He's gonna command a good amount of money. But I don't think he's gonna be at one of those top tier guys. He's gonna bring in seven, eight years. He'll probably get a four, five year deal. But I don't think he's gonna resign with the Cubs. He's got, he's got to go back to an AL team. Um, there's obviously every year there's teams that can use an extra bat who's on at, at DH. So I think the market for him is gonna be pretty wide open. Um, Mookie Betts could be traded, I think. But those are the kind of the top three or four free agents I'm looking forward to see where they go, where they go because they're gonna control the market and essentially determine where the other pieces fall. So until we know where Cole, Rendon, and Strasburg go, we're not gonna really see many other big fish. Uh, find their homes yet. All right, well, awesome stuff for us. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to Amari as well. Um, for Armand, Harry, Tony, I'm Yosef Nasser. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. What's up, guys? It's hot. It's hot.